everyone, and welcome to episode 413 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Rod Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. Happy holidays. How are you today, Richard? Happy holidays, Seth. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am doing super well. And we got a really fun topic, a once a year annual tradition topic for today. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Morning. Uh, pretty excited for, to see uh, what's going on today on, on, on some of the, the, the misses and, and, and who knows what. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to see yeah. the clips. So, so as, as Krim hinted at here, uh, we are doing our year in review podcast where we go back over the last year of mostly spoiler predictions that Krim and I do and from the podcast and see what we got right, what we got wrong. It should be pretty interesting because it has been a wild year of magic. So before we jump into that, a quick reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit and Card Conduit. They're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, well, Card Conduit lets you skip all the typing and all the time and all their work. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to put in a little effort on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with their results in a fast payment once the order is processed. And right now, you need even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards, so thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, let's bounce it over to Richard, who's going to guide us through the last year of uh, of magic, uh, goldfish prediction style. Richard, take it away. All right. Our wonderful editor, Nyaduk, has thrown together a bunch of clips uh, some from the podcast, a lot from the the top 10 videos you guys do. So uh, I, I may get away from this one. Uh, Richard doesn't get audited. It's fine. <laughs> but we're, we're going we're gonna to go oh, over boy. some of the top hits, some of the top misses, some of the top omissions. Um, we're going to cover the major standard sets this year. Uh, Crimson Vow, Neon Dynasty, Capenna, Dominar United. No Brothers War because we were uh, in Vegas when Brothers War happened, so we didn't put out those videos. Uh, but maybe if you guys have any comments on that. Uh, but to kick things off, we're actually going to revisit last year's year in review where <laughs> we had Midnight Hunt. But Midnight Hunt just released. It was a new standard and like not much has happened. Uh, so we're just going to revisit with our first clip uh, on Midnight Hunt here to see where we're at. Number one on our list, top card for standard from Innistrad Midnight Hunt, we have Bloodthirsty Adversary, another adversary, the Red Adversary. Krim, what do you think about this one? This is a Dark Dweller that can scale, and they scale very well, like, like quite well with like whatever game plan you have. It's as simple as that. This can now cast a bunch of spells back and forth. This is good in a control deck. This could be good in an aggro deck in case you want to cast your burn spells again. Like, what's not to love? It's versatile. It goes in every deck that has yeah, red. Oh, it's This card's really, really good. And it's five mana, if you flash back a three mana value spell, it's actually just Snapcaster Mage. Not with flash, but still, it's the same amount of mana as Snapcaster would be to flash back something that had a three mana value. Plus, you're getting a 2-2 two, two haste for two, which is traditionally a pretty playable card in aggressive deck. So yeah, I think Bloodthirsty Adversary, 
this card is a card you can play in control decks, you can play it in aggro decks. It's even a vampire, which is probably going to be more relevant in a couple of months once we get Crimson Vow. But still, this is definitely deserving of the top st- uh, spot on our list and a super strong standard card. Number one. <laughs> have, have you played? Have you played against this card? This card is good. It's still good. I get bought no. by it all the time in historic. I I I haven't really seen many people play it in standard. But but I I also still think that this card still has lots of time to grow. This card That's is. It, it's an, it may not be in every deck right now, but like this card. There, I just don't see how it's not going to get played. I, I still am high on this card. And yeah. it's worth pointing out for, for both Innistrad sets, unlike the first sets we talked about, they still have like two years in standard. Like they're only a couple months old. So we still have like, you know, 22 months of, uh, of these cards existing in standard. So I think you're right. There is a chance that at some point during that time, Bloodthirsty Adversary actually takes off. I think the biggest miss is no one expected the demise of red aggro, right? Like, red aggro is always a thing. So I actually agree with Krim. Like, of all the misses here, this one actually has potential to do something still in the right metagame. Whereas uh, fighter class, uh, stuff like that. Maybe. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. okay. Right, that know, card's maybe maybe the ship has sailed on those ones. But <laughs> this one, like, has potential still. <laughs> all right, one year later... We're, One year later, where's Bloodthirsty Adversary? How, so, how has this shaken out? Okay, so so good news, bad news. I mean, I guess the bad news is, like, Shieldred and so forth are really good against Mono Red, so Mono Red's still not, like, as good as it has been in the past. But if you look at standard Mono Red decks, pretty much every single one is playing four copies of Bloodthirsty Adversary. So I think Krim's theory of, like, give it some time, I think you were proven right in this one, Krim. I'm pretty sure. Whew. I was I was like, oh man, wait, hold on, because if it, I I was worried about that. Uh, hearing it back, I was like, wow, Mono Red is actually was was nowhere in sight when Meatball Massacre was around. But like with the banning, I've been seeing a lot more Mono Red, and yeah, exactly that. I I we've seen Bloodthirsty Adversary, so I I even see it in Historic and in a a, a, a Explorer. So yeah, I, it. It's good, yeah? Yeah, it's I still mean, good. If you look at the most played <laughs> creatures in standard right now, it's mostly a list of black and white creatures. Like, those are the dominant creatures. But Bloodthirsty Adversary is literally the most played red creature in the format. It's like 24th overall, but it is literally the most played mono red creature. So, I think we are right. I, I mean, I also think we had it, like, number one overall in Innistrad uh, Midnight Hunt, which maybe that is a little bit too high. Like, maybe we were still a little ambitious with it, but it certainly has proven itself to be a very playable standard card. All right, I'll, I'll give you guys a B. So, yes, <laughs> it's played in mono red, but yes. there are much better red decks that don't play it at all. <laughs> Grixis, <coughs> Mardu, Rathos. Oh, my God. Oh, those are red decks, Richard. Those, those are red, are red decks. decks. Are and, and, and you red. know what the best red creature is? It's Blood Tide Harvester. <laughs> like that's, that's the staple, right? So, yes, Blood, uh, <coughs> so Bloodthirsty yeah. Adversary is played in mono red. So, it got there, but it's not played anywhere red there. can be played, right? So, that's that's true. So, uh, it's a it's a little it's a win and a loss at the same time. I think. And number one is it actually number one card from Crimson Vow? Or it was our hunt. It was uh, I believe it was our number one overall. Yeah, if you look at our combined list or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but is there currently a more played 
Midnight Hunt because Midnight Hunt was kind of a doo doo, right? Was there is actually is there actually a more played card? It may actually be number one, just powercraft by everything else. Yeah, some random uh, Meat Hook was up there before it got banned. Memory oh, Deluge or like Inferno Grasp were ranked below it, so yeah, yeah. it's not that and far. Inferno down Grasp list, still good. Uh... It's been a sad stretch for Mono Red because I think so. When we recorded that podcast, I think that was the dominance of Green, where we just right. played like Pack Leader and Durly Green stuff, and then we went straight into Meatball Shouldered uh, <laughs> meta, and then after that, even then, like Mono Red is still a pretty kind of fringe deck. Uh, oh, the, and the value piles are still outdoing it. So, and, and now we have. Not. And now we have Obliterator coming just to slam the door shut on anyone yeah. who, who thinks they're going to <laughs> attack don't... with burn spells and little red creatures. So I think I think maybe this prediction will look a worse a year from now that Obliterator is coming out too. <laughs> I don't I don't know what Mono Red's going to do against Obliterator or Shieldred because like you know like I don't know what's worse. But hey, hey, it, you know there was a point Bloodthirsty Adversary was sick. Uh, it's still <laughs> it's still pretty decent. And you know what? It's in historic, so I, I'll take it. I, I, I got got with Bloodthirsty Adversary while playing Standard. I, I got got. They, like, flashback a Lightning Strike or whatever. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but I also understand that, like, it, like yeah, like, the uncommons, uh, like, like, yeah, like, like, whatever the 3-2 is. I forgot the name, but you mentioned it. The Rakdos one that makes a blood token. Blood I was tithe, not ready. The standard card yeah. of all time. Blood Tithe Harvester. <laughs> Somehow Blood Tithe Harvester is just absurdly cracked. And I just, I have no idea why or how I missed that. So, uh, I, I guess that, Ooh, that, that, that is Crimson Vow. Oh, no, we will have Crimson Vow coming up in this podcast. Let's see if you guys found oh. this, this oh, uncommon that no one knew, but is actually like the linchpin of standard. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, Okay, so it's it's 2023 coming up soon. We're a year wiser. Uh, in 2021, we asked, what wiser. do you want in 2022? And did anyone say $1,000 proxies? I'm not sure. So we're going to have to go back <laughs> <laughs> and listen to this clip to see what our wish list was in 2022 and see if Santa came and delivered. All right, so wrapping up 2021, I'll ask you guys one question. What do you want to see in 2022 magic? Could be anything. The one thing I hope to see, you know, I, I, I would love to see a, a thriving standard, whatever, alchemy, either or one of those formats doing well because I've always played standard my, in my entire life. I've loved standard. And, and to be honest with you, some of the best times I've had playing magic would be in standard. But I would love to see a format that is enjoyable. Standard has been in a bit of a rut for a little while. So I just want to see a good standard again. And I mean, I know it, it'll be a lot to ask for it to be like as good as the Ravnica, most recent Ravnica return, whatever set. Uh, but like something along those lines. Oh, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I got two. One is uh, one is I want less snowball threats. Uh, powerful creatures are fine, but give us give us powerful creatures that don't just win the game by themselves if they go unchecked. I think that's my biggest frustration with uh, standard and alchemy in those formats now oh. is just uh, these two drops that like if 100% you don't kill correct. this. 
it, it essentially beats you over the course of a couple of turns. Uh, Rahilda's and uh, werewolf pack leaders and ranger class. There's many, many threats. Like, and Raghavan in older formats to some extent. So uh, I would like to see less of those. Number two is uh, companions acorned in all formats. Please, I don't want another year of Luris in modern. I'm so sick of it. The mechanics are horrible. The cards are horrible. Go away, please, companions. That's my that's my Christmas wish for this year. I, I agree with you guys. I'm going to add on. I want to see less text on cards. I, I can measure this. We're going to measure how long daily spoiler videos are next year. Every year they keep going up in length. As wizards adds more text and more sides and like more like transforms and stuff to cards. Like just just keep it simple. Like it, it was a great game. We don't need to make it overcomplicated and like scare away new players. <laughs> All right, Krim, you were a good boy this year. I think, I think they Ooh. delivered on Krim and Seth's yeah. requests. I, I think they just took mine and threw it in the trash because I think they just doubled the number of words on cards this year. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> really, feels- though, standards been good. Like it was standards yeah. been good. The snowbally threats, I think, have been toned down. Honestly, like yeah, when the best card in standard is shielded and it's got to sit out for a bunch of turns and it doesn't draw you a card or etb like that's like that's a pretty good place to be compared to uros and ragavan so i think we did get our wishes God. except for richard. What except for richard yeah most <laughs> of us richard got coal apparently because <laughs> there's with coal that also has text on it of course uh like i i'm just happy that standard and the threats feel like they're like getting like powered down Although, like, still very potent. Like, it, it, it's, it's been solid. Just like Seth had mentioned. If Shieldred and it's a bunch of, like, mid-range fests and stuff like that. Like, I, I'm here for that. So, I, I loved Standard this past year. And I'm happy to see it, like, doing well again. Yeah, I think the only snowballing threat is maybe Rafid. But everything yeah. else is, like, fine. Uh, like, you, you can actually, like, take a couple hits and then actually come back, which is why Standard is actually mid-range fest right now. Like, nothing just, like... I guess Fable is the other one. But at least your snowbally threats are coming down on three and not one. Uh, like, Seriously. Coming oh, from, man. like, Werewolf Pack Leader and Ranger Werewolf Class and all, yeah. all these just, like, I do this thing and you don't kill it and it gives me this insurmountable advantage. I can deal with things snowballing, like, later in the game. I think that's okay. I still think Fable's, like, super busted. That card's so strong. But I, I'm okay with the, the snowball starting a little bit later. And really, even then, we don't have too many of those cards at the top of standard right now. All right, Crypt, yeah. is this better? We don't, we better don't than have Return to Ravnica standard. No, or is that still the golden standard? That's that's still a gold, the golden standard. If yeah, like like I I don't know if it gets better than that. That that was, or at least it hasn't yet. It has a chance to, but like my god, that was a good standard. I really love that standard. Do you, Grixis on the top of the meta game and Chris still not happy. Are you yeah? Are you still enjoying standard? And not control. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still digging the standard. Uh, I've been also loving historic. So, but like, I I just feel like almost all the sixty card formats got a lot better this year. If I somehow f- like like possible, I will say right? I'm getting tired of standard. Like, I think standard got way better compared to last year. But you can only play so many Grixis 
mirrors in a row before it's like okay i've already done this it's not oh. that it's bad it's uh, maybe not for crim but for me eventually yeah. it's like oh my god like uh, again come on <laughs> i want to record a video where every match is not an hour long for once wizards <laughs> where's the did, did brothers four bring anything into standard besides like the soldiers deck all the other decks um, kind of look the same right Nah, I mean, there's been some fringe upgrades. Like you see, like Blade Coil Serpent or Frexian, whatever the three drop, uh, the three yeah, drop yeah. is. Like you see yeah. some individual uh, cards, but they're kind of flesh, yeah, bag or flesh bag well, marauder. Portal whatever. to Phyrexia that that's been popping up too, along with Cityscape Leveler. So actually, yeah, it I, Brothers War has done a lot, and you know, you do see Go for the Throat. Uh, so, like, it's, it's had pretty good cards, actually. But there haven't been too many decks, I would say. Like, outside of Soldiers, are there any decks that are, like, Brothers War decks at this point? That are, that are actually tier decks. I know that you can build, like, tons of different things, but I feel like that's the only real Brothers War deck. Or maybe, like, Sacrifice kind of made a little bit of a comeback with, like, Sahili and, um... Uh, and the the equipment that draws you a card whenever stuff dies. So maybe you could argue Mishra's research desk. Maybe you can argue that's a Brothers War deck. But ah, uh, I don't know. Standard's still better than it was last year for sure. That's that that much is clear. What? All yeah. Right. So let's get into twenty. What year is it? Twenty twenty two. Proper Crimson Vow. Uh, oh boy. Let's see what our top hit from Crimson Vow was. The number one card on our list happens to be a bit of a a bit of a tax effect. Thalia Guardian of Thraben, which uh, it's a reprint. I think it's the most impactful card for a new standard format. We already have White Weenie being really good in the format. I don't know this card. Oh, I think this card is going to have a massive impact on standard. But Krim, what do you think about our returning human soldier? This this is our my number two, right? I, I think this card is very very powerful, and combined with uh, like Spellbinder, there there's tons of ways to slow opponents down now right so yeah uh, i i really like this card i i think this is going to be huge for standard like i i want to make it known though do i think this card just stone cold shuts down is it no i feel like it does get outclassed in like a green matchup but you know that that's because that's green right so uh like otherwise though any of the non-creature heavy decks like like seth had mentioned Demir, is it all of that? This is going to be an all-star there and going to be what you want onto every time. I see like start of week one, day one of standard. I'm, I am I would play four copies of this. Thalia, uh, not not too much of a stretch. No, that's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, yes, it's right. But like how much should we really do on this prediction? Like it's, it's a reprint. We already knew it was a good card. So I feel like it's kind of like a safe choice, but... It is a correct choice. It, it was very good, and it still is very good, and it is helpful and maybe responsible for letting, like, Mono White and Soldiers and some of those decks be able to compete with some of the, like, spell-heavy decks. So, right choice, but yeah. not a really a complicated one. I, I feel like also one thing that is is uh, lost on that clip, though, is the te- the context of the standard format we were, go- like, coming from. And Thalia was much more than just it was just sorely needed it was sorely needed in the in the standard uh and and like when it hit it it like god this card annoys me every time in standard uh uh like but it was really needed because we just came from like a wild is it like kind of like 
uh, gold span dragon filled like you know like kind of like standard right so this was what I felt like was a very important part of the meta it was very very needed so it's a safe choice but my god was it needed I mean yeah, it's so- easy to forget a year ago at this time like Elrond's Epiphany and Divide by Zero were like the top thing with Goldspan Dragon that was like that was what standard was about and then in January they ended up banning those cards so yeah yeah so Thalia sees play in Rafine decks and Soldier decks. The the funny thing is, like Thalia is extremely good because we have a lot of um, spells, like for example, Fable, uh, Meatball Massacre, things like that. When that was still legal, the problem is White has its own spells it wants to play most of the time, like Wedding Announcement, <laughs> Wandering Emperor. So like White decks usually don't play it, and it's only like the creature only decks, which would be Soldiers and Rafine that play it. So. I find it funny that this time around, Thalia actually tacks a lot of White's best cards, like Eigenjoe, uh, stuff like that. So you you kind of actually <laughs> really got hosed by playing Thalia yourself. And I, for one, have certainly played Thalia, skipped turn three because I drew a wedding announcement and can no longer play it. Uh, <laughs> sad face. So that, yeah, that's a pretty well, interesting dynamic. That's just the Thalia attacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thalia. Thalia think- collects her money. <laughs> that is that is a good point though that it doesn't go into every white deck. It doesn't even go into like the most popular white deck right now is like the mono white mid range used to be the invoke justice reanimator style deck, but it, it can't play it because it's but, got too many spells, like you said. But who foresaw mono white mid range, right? Like yeah. like coming into the meta, I never thought I'd see it. I mean, that's... mono white control or whatever. I think that's like when you look at some of our picks that go wrong, I think that's a an easy way for them to go wrong. Because it's like, oh, we think uh, I mean, going back to like knights a few years ago, you think that the tribe's <laughs> going to be good. So you pick what you think is going to be a good card for the this tribe or archetype good. and then it doesn't actually work out. And then you look you look horribly <laughs> foolish as a result. All right. Speaking of looking foolish, let's, yeah. let's look at our top miss from Crimson Vow. Oh, boy. Number four on our list, we have one of my favorite cards from the set, Overcharge Amalgam, our new flashy, exploiting, counterspelling zombie. And uh, this is weird. I feel like we're in Bizarro World this set, Krim, because a lot of these like control cards I'm really high on. And then when I talk to you, you're not as high on these cards as I am, which is really, really strange. Uh, Overcharge Amalgam. I think is a really sweet card for the exploit deck. Like to the point where I think this is the reason to play the exploit deck. If you're having to exploit this to itself, then it's a pretty bad counter spell. But in those kind of like tempo-y, token-y, sacrifice, exploit style decks, I feel like this is like one of the reasons to play those archetypes in standard, one of the biggest ones. But what do you think about this one, Krim? So I I do like the card. Like it's definitely on my list. I think we're about the same on ranking it. I, I like the card. All around, like you had mentioned, this card just has a lot of de- like a lot of stuff that it can uh, sack or exploit to get some serious value here. And then if you get to at the end of it all, you get a three three flying flash threat. That's awesome, right? So I think this is a very good tempo play, a very good rate. Why? So I <laughs> I actually don't think this is that bad of a pick, honestly. I like why it's it's. Uh, it's one of those cards where the archetype kind of flopped. Like, zombies and exploit yeah. just haven't really been good enough, even though they got a lot of pieces. I still think if they were good enough, this probably would be one of the better cards in that deck. Like, it is really powerful, but the archetype just didn't make it. So, obviously, in terms of just, like, how much play it's seen, it's wrong. But 
I don't think it's the overcharged. What I'm trying to say is I don't think it's the overcharged amalgam itself is a bad card. It's more that the decks that it goes in just haven't been as good as I was hoping they would be. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. To save my own my own face here, like I I I do think yeah, the card is solid. I'm just surprised one of the most popular tribes wasn't good right like like they it was it was like a zombies are real bad like actually unplayable they didn't have like a graph digger you know like some kind of recursive like thing going on like it was just real bad so yeah Paul. You guys got Powercraft, okay? So th- there is a four mana flash creature counterspell that is played in standard, and it's Urtai, who can yeah. stifle, who can destroy yeah. something. It's <sighs> literally basically the same thing, but less hoops. You don't have to sack something, and it does more things. Uh, it doesn't fly, I guess, but Urtai sees play. So I think you got Powercraft. Urtai came out in Dominaria United. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll ignore the fact that Amalgam didn't see play between Val and <laughs> Dominaria United, but yeah. I still stand by you got Powercraft. I think there is a world where you try overcharge Amalgam in um, either Azorius decks or Esper decks where you have like wedding announcement tokens you can just chuck. Yeah. Like you don't need zombies, right? You, you just have like random cycling yeah. creatures that you can chuck and try to counter, but you just play Urtai and it's just a lot easier. So. It- it's like when I bought all those copies of Crucible of the Spirit Dragon, and then they printed Haven of the Spirit Dragon the next set, which was just, like, strictly better at doing the same thing. Also, I don't think this is our worst pick, because we were really high on Mana Form Hellkite. I think, like, overall, yeah. we had it number two. I had it five. Krim actually had it number one above Thalia. So we were, like, super high on Mana Form Hellkite, and I think Mana Form Hellkite seemed close. even less play than Overcharged Amalgam, honestly. <laughs> What is that? What does that do? I, I, yes, I exactly, forced... exactly. What does that do? It's the it's the four mana four four flying dragon that when you cast a nine creature spell, you get an exact dragon illusion creature with flying in haste, where X is the amount of mana you spend oh, on it until end of turn. Yeah, on that mono red. Well, dude, remember, aggro. remember, too, we <laughs> the, were the reach, making the reach your bird could have with this. You, oh, you got to remember, we were making this video also. When Alrin's Epiphany and Goldspan right. Dragon and uh, Divide by Zero, this was like 40% of the matter or something. Like, it was just all about these is it spell decks. So I think that might have, maybe we had a little bit of recency bias or something. Where we're like, oh, like, is I it mean, so it good? Was. It'll be good forever. So this card's obviously going to be good, too. You know what I've included? We're always wrong on four drops. Yeah. <laughs> and especially four. four drops that are four, four flyers. Like, we always are like, oh, there's so much value. And it's just, like, not good enough compared to, like, what the actual good four drops can do in the format. Um, it's like that sneaky thing where you're like, yeah, that looks really good. How can this How can this be bad? <laughs> but then. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us, t- let, let us show you how it can four be fours. bad. Never. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Uh, all right, top omission from Crimson Vow. We also got wedding announcement slash wedding festivity. Oh. So essentially, played in your aggro deck, get some card draw for two or three turns. Worst case, get a token, and then eventually flip it around into an anthem. So I feel like when you read this card, 
but you can see how it could be powerful. You're playing like White Weenie. You curve out your Chaplet of Alms and a Clarion Spirit and a wedding announcement, <laughs> yes. and then you draw an extra card, and then you draw an extra card, and then you flip it and grow your spirit tokens. The only problem is uh, something we talked about earlier. There's like a million good white three drops, and it might be that wedding announcement, even though you can see the synergies with white aggro and how perfect it is for a deck like that, maybe it just uh, you can't find room with elite spellbinders and redains and brutal cathars and adeline and skyclave apparitions. So I think the card is sweet. I think it has a chance to see play. I like the flavor that it's showing off, but whether or not it's going to be super good in standard, uh, we're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there. I mean... It, it turns out there's a lot of good white three drops, but wedding announcement might just be the best of of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Your concerns were right, though. You know, there were a lot of good three drops. And the answer was, it's just better. Yeah, it, so, it is just better. <laughs> it's probably uh, the best white card in standard, period, right? I think the, maybe like Wandering Emperor or Wedding Announcement would probably be the contenders for best white yeah. card. And it shows up literally everywhere. Aggro, mid-range control. Like, anything that plays white can play Wedding Announcement. Like, so well that, like like, opponents have to play around it. Right, like you need, like right. you can't play right. Liliana anymore because people might play wedding announcement, right? So yeah, yeah that 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 was a little a little oopsie. Yeah, we're Turns out six power <laughs> <laughs> that can't be like easily removed, and then anthems your team for three mana is pretty good rate in twenty twenty two. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, I, I think you it. it it took off a little. It's fine. I'll, 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 I'll admit that it, it might have. I'm gonna be honest. With you, I didn't think that card would get played at all. <laughs> Like, well, like, why would it, right? It's just like 1-1, one, one, okay, and a 1-1. One, one. I just didn't really think about how good it would be in this standard. Like, wedding announcement is just absolutely cracked. Like, I just could not believe how strong it was. So, yeah, I'll admit that uh, that one... That one <laughs> I'm surprised Krim wasn't higher. That's like Bitter Blossom that flips into an anthem. Like, why? I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, that is... Uh, <laughs> We're, yeah. Is it that early? Are we, we throwing Bitter Blossom at this hour of the day right now? Is that what's going on? <laughs> it even shows All up right. in like Pioneer and stuff too. Like we, That's how hard we missed is this even shows up outside of Standard. I really didn't expect that. Also really Blood Tithe Harvester. We did not mention oh, Blood God. Tithe Harvester. Although I don't know if many other people did either. So It's an uncommon though, so it's easy to, to look past over. it. Uh, all right, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty top hits. Number two on our list, we got another vehicle, Reckoner Bankbuster. Krim, what do you think about this one? This isn't everything you want, right? Like, this is cheap. Uh, it's card advantage, right? It's a way to get you more, more just like of whatever you want it to be. And then when all those counters are gone, it doesn't like sack itself or anything like that. It's just like you get a full on just more stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, this card is just one of those things where the value of this is just going to just take over games. And with the pilot tokens able to crew it, it's a three, it's like crew three for a four, four for two mana. That's just drawing you cards anyways. And then spawns more. That, that's, that's it. Like, th this is all you can ask for at two mana. This is a going above and beyond uh, a two mana card here. This, this card is bonkers. I mean, treasure map. 
standard staple of its era. Maze Mind Stone, standard staple. These two mana artifacts that generate card advantage have traditionally been very playable, and this has a huge upside. It's a massive creature. Sure, crew three is kind of like a high number, but eventually it's going to crew itself. So I think we're going to be seeing Reckoner Bankbuster uh, across a whole bunch of different archetypes. It just does a ridiculous amount for two mana, like so much text oh, on the yeah. card. This card's so, so good. Let's move on. Number one on our list, a <laughs> little bit of cheating. We don't just have a card. We have an entire <laughs> cycle of cards. The Channel Lands. Uh, you can see Maseju, Atuara, two of the best of them, but really... All of these cards, I think, are just going yeah. to see an immense amount of play in standard. Every one new of things. Them. Every, every single one. Every, literally every single yeah. one of them is going to be a staple. All right. I mean. Fankbuster uh, is the top spell in all of standard in 73% of decks if people play it as a three of. Yes. I, I think we were even more right than we realized at the time because this ended up being i think way better than treasure map or uh maze yeah. Stone. the other versions of this this ended up not only being as good as those but like better than those i think we also kind of lucked into the fact that standard just ended up being super grindy because at the time like it was like white aggro versus is it dragons versus mono green a right. aggro it was like control versus aggro and then we ended up in the standard that's just like mid-range slugfest and a card like Bankbuster is just exactly what pretty much every deck wants when you're doing mid-range battles it's three free extra cards and it leaves behind some value so yeah i mean we we kind of nailed it uh maybe accidentally but we we definitely got there with that one <laughs> it's a good call i still don't believe it today <laughs> it blows my mind that you can take turn two off do nothing <laughs> and then continually sink two mana to draw cards and get away with it like how it's... bad is aggro that <laughs> like we're allowed to do this it, it still blows my mind that we can play this in 73% of decks. <laughs> it, it's funny, though, because it actually makes me groan a little bit when I see it. Like, if you're playing and your opponent slams the turn two bank buster and you don't have yeah. something similar, like, oh, no, like, th this is not going to be very obvious on screen, but we're just, like, straight up losing this game because they're going to have three more cards than us. And then, like, ten turns from now, this is really going to end up mattering. Yeah. Like, Bankbuster, just, you know, it's going to be, it's the value it, uh, that you, you, like, we initially mentioned, and then on top of that, it just actually will kill you, right? Like, and, uh, like, that's, it's been good. It's been very good, so. Yeah, I always it. forget it can can attack, too. You occasionally run into yeah. that opponent that's just, like, plays it on two, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to draw a bunch of cards, and they, like, play Graveyard Trespasser on turn three and just crew and hit your performer, like, oh, my God, I for forgot it can do that <laughs> thing. is actually killing me. I thought it was just your card draw. <laughs> Yeah, like that's I'm like it definitely feels like that. Whoa, where'd my health go? Right? Like like I mean and then also the amount of times I've board wiped and like, oh we're fine. Oh wait, no, you can just play a creature and attack me. No. All right. Top miss from Neon Dynasty. Number three on our list. Oh, this card's so good. Biting <laughs> Palm Ninja. This card I think is wow. You, well, this is not Thoughtseize. You're exiling it. That is even, that's even way better. major. <laughs> And you don't lose life, so it's a, an upgraded Thoughtseize. Krim, I know you love the ninjas. What do you think about Biting Bomb Ninja? This has to be, like, probably one of the top three cards for me, like, in the whole yep. set, right? Yep. Just because of how efficient this card is. And knowing ninjutsu, it's very easy to return it back to your hand if you have another, if you have more ninjas to do that with. We already see, like, uh, Elite Spellbinder, right? We, we talked about that. We see cards like that get played. This is just better, I think. This is just going to be great. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that was kind of the comparison I was going to make for standard. We see Elite Spellbinder being a staple, and that doesn't even really get rid of the card. It just taxes it two mana, so eventually it's going to be cast anyway. I think that this is the best ninja for standard. This is the reason to build a ninja deck for standard. And more importantly, I think this card is... I think this card is so strong. I don't even think you have to be a ninja deck. Like if you're playing some sort you of Golgari deck with a bunch of eye twitches and other just evasive creatures, so you can ninjutsu this pretty consistently. I think this is good enough to see playing those decks as well. So I'm expecting to be seeing a lot of Binding Palm Ninja in standard. It just does exactly everything you want it to do. I'm like 90% sure people are going to complain about this card in about a month. I do noobs okay, thinking this, is as good in 2020. Yo, <laughs> ninjutsu <laughs> failed me, okay? Yeah, ninjutsu yeah. failed me. This doesn't count. Hold on. Ninjutsu. It's kind ninjutsu. of circle loyalty in the sense that, like, ninjas just flopped as a whole. <laughs> yeah. But you said it could go outside ninjas, Seth. It's so good. Oh, yeah, I, I, I blame Krim. I expect Krim to make the tempo cards good. Like, you know, <laughs> do the thought season, pick up something, counter your spell. But <laughs> I just legitimately remember trying to force this, and every time it would just be bad. Like, like man. Yeah. I don't know how this wasn't good. Like, I, I genuinely think ninjutsu just itself, the archetype. Could have been so much more and end up being just really, really bad. And it's big sad. It's big sad. So, so why do yeah. you think it flops so hard? Like, why is it just like the meta or the cards not good enough? Any any ideas why Ninjutsu just didn't make it this time? So rogues had like Zareth, right? Rogues had all these yeah. big payoff, big top end things. Ninjas had nothing. Uh, ninjas were more small, terrible ninjas, right? And uh, like when you think about now, look at the bodies that you're swinging into. Almost all of them efficiently block a ninja, right? So there's no evasiveness for you. And on top of that, let, let's let's talk about uh the the Lord effect. <laughs> ninjas Lord effects are great when you go wide. Right? But, like, yeah. how are you going wide with ninjas? You're constantly returning them back to your hand. <laughs> so, so like, the Lord effect wasn't good. There's no top end for ninjas. Yeah, it wasn't great. And we and we never really got a good, like, Ninja the Deep Hours, right? Or, like, Ingenious no. Infiltrator. We got, like, the, the pseudo, like, one-time looty one. But, but we were also missing that. So, yeah, we... Hmm. <sighs> it still seems like it should be good. good Three mana, three, you know three that thought seizes and lets you pick up something. Uh, yeah. Like compare that to like, what if I just play Fable with the Mirror Breaker? Ninjas are just right. too much work. I've played a lot of ninjas and it, every game you're just like <laughs> fighting and clawing for every point of damage. It is not easy when you could just, like you said, play a Fable with Mirror Breaker, just I mean, run away with the game. So you could connect with this in standard, right? Because like Rafine decks have like a million creatures. You can easily connect with it. Uh, evolved. Evolve Sleeper, whatever that one drop is. No one ever blocks it because you can give it Death Touch or whatever, right? You can yep. always get the ninjutsu in, right? But do you want to spend your third turn picking up your one or two drop and then just thought seizing and ending up with the 3-3? Three, three? Like, there's yeah. just so many more powerful things you can be doing. And especially in Standard now where everyone's playing Jund, like, all their cards are good. Like, you, it doesn't matter what you thought seize. Like, it doesn't actually affect them, right? So... In in a mid range mirror, Thought Seize is a bad card, and we are in mid range fest. So maybe if we were in like a combo heavy meta or something, you can actually rip out that combo piece. That would actually be worth it. But right now, you're just playing a three mana three three 
and then being very sad. And it only works once, right? You got to remove the menace counter from it or whatever. So you can't repeatedly thought seize them. So that's that's that, a really that, good point. Yeah. We're in such a a good card style meta where everyone's just like playing a bunch of powerful cards in their meta. So everything's just so replaceable. You take the shield red, they got the invoke despair. You take the invoke despair, they still well, have the corpse appraiser or whatever. So I think that does make yeah. the value of something like this go down. Plus, like decks have so much card advantage. It's not like you're really going to take your opponent out of the game with discard at this point because of bank busters and corpse appraisers. And just like everyone's always got a full hand of action. And that and that kind of also uh is another thing like the ninjas just like there's no drown in the lock or drown- the story that was the other yeah kind of really put put uh rogues over the top so like yeah like, there there's just no like no good drown in the lock and there's no good like card advantage engine as you had mentioned but most importantly i still think that it's just painful that they really didn't give it a, a top game like a top end kind of thing Wait, what, what set is that wall from that Thought Seizes? <laughs> oh. The wall? That's got to be one of like the a Innistrad concealing curtain that you pay yeah. three to transform. It's yeah, one that's of like Innistrad a better sets. Biting Palm Ninja. Did that come before or after? <laughs> that was before. Although no one really plays Concealing Curtain either, do they? You're not I, like There was much. a time where people played this in, in, in Black Decks. And I think it's just... That was I Shadow- guess they get to replace the card. So this only like... That was one of combos, the shreds. Yeah, Crimson, Crimson Bow. Down. Yeah. yeah. But Concealing Curtains was saw play for a bit back when stand, like, Standard first came out. So Again, Ninjitsu just failed us. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, Ninjitsu failed. And I, it makes me sad. All right. Uh, top omission. Oh, this no. says good look in, it, in the notes. Oh, so no. I'm going to get ones. wrecked. I'm going to get so wrecked. We also got, speaking of spicy sagas, Fable of the Mirror Breaker slash Reflections of Kiki Jiki. This one actually like quite a bit. But when you think through this card, it actually offers a decent amount of value. As far as comparisons, a little bit like a not very aggressive history of Benalia, but still getting two two twos with some upsides out of a three-mana saga. We've seen that be good in the past. So this is one I actually think has a chance to be good and constructed. The way I'm trying to evaluate these new sagas. It's kind of thinking of the backside as a bonus. The front side, I think, needs to stand on its own. In the case of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, I think that it does. I think this pseudo-season Pyromancer, even with the weird timing uh, in the treasure token added on, I think that's enough to make me be interested in this card. And then eventually you get the pseudo-Kiki-Jiki. So so don't think of this as a combo piece. I think this is a value card, and that's fine. Just like getting a copy of a Moldrifter, or a Fury, or in standard, a Goldspan Dragon. That's a ton of damage, a ton of treasures. Skyclave Apparition for more removal, like, that's good enough. And I think that's where this card shines. It's a reasonable saga on its own. And then the backside, even a Kiki without any combo potential, that's still just a really sweet value card. So this might be one of my favorite sagas so far, and one of the ones that I actually think has the highest chance of seeing tournament-level play. Actually being a competitive card, even just a value-heavy Kiki-Jiki is still a really neat card. You nailed it! So the reason it's an omission, so that came from a spoiler It's video, not on right? our list, yeah. You, none of right. you guys decided to put it on the top 10 list at all. <laughs> but well, I talked about it. it pretty positively. I liked it. I could I could see the value. And I was pretty down on sagas in general, too. But this was Same. the one that I, I thought was good. Although this next one I'm, like, already dreading. Like, I, oh, I don't, oh, that's oh, not, like, the, the worst omission. Okay, we'll, we'll, I'm we'll, guessing we'll get, what I know. I'm guessing. We'll get the next one, too. This one says bad look. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know. 
I, I still we think, though, like, like, like this bear, which uh, is cool as this card is. Pretty sure it's a bulk rare. So essentially, <laughs> let's say you cast this for five mana. Your opponent has a creature. They don't have an enchantment or a planeswalker. Your opponent is going to sack a creature. They're going to lose four life. You're going to draw two cards. Is that worth it? I'm not actually sure. I lean towards no, especially considering the four black and the mana cost. That is a really restricted mana cost. Plus, it's five mana removal, and it's at sorcery speed. It is nice that you're always going to get some value, but let's say your opponent has nothing to sacrifice. This is five mana. You draw three cards. Your opponent loses six life. Uh, even that's not really exciting. No matter what combination I think of with this card, none of them makes me excited to actually cast this card, although it is mentioning... Yet another black enchantment destruction spell. This one definitely powered down, I think, compared to Feed the Swarm, since it's an edict and it's pretty expensive. But still, it seems like we keep getting more black enchantment destruction pretty much ever set. So Invoke Despair got pretty epic art. It's a, one of the promos for the set. As far as being playable, I'm just really not seeing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm yep. pretty sure I ranked it the worst of all the, the invoke cycle. <laughs> Me and Krim both had invokes on our list for that set, but mine was the green yeah. one that made two tokens. Krim really liked the red one that like has spells from your graveyard. <laughs> so you chose all the unplayable we, invokes, yeah. okay. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> if there's any hey, like hey. tiny <laughs> bit of defense, we didn't know that black was going to be like 75% of the standard meta at the time, so that definitely helped the decks be able to cast this spell, but even even not knowing that, Wow, did I? That's probably my biggest miss of the year. We'll see if anything else can top that. But I, mean, I knew when we were talking about this episode, I was like, oh, no, I, I'm going to get wrecked on Invoke Despair. It's funny how, <laughs> like, like three color decks, the Grixis deck is playing Invoke, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> it's got it's got, got pretty epic art, though. I know that part. Pretty, it, it, the art is epic. Also, the, like, like the, the, the saga, the fable, dude, I... I, I thought all the sagas were like just like meh and like man the red the red one I guess was also the most playable so that wasn't too bad that was a good that was a good call on your part but most importantly this daily spoiler was on my birthday hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, I was wow. extremely wrong about invoke despair on my birthday <laughs> so are those like two of the two of the best cards from Kamigawa probably like Fable and Invoke Despair like at least currently they're probably the two best cards from the sun we did not have them on our top 10 list hmm. I mean so Fable I could see because Fable we were kind of pigeonholed into like it's Kiki Cheeky or whatever and you're like ah oh, what's the combo here but it's actually just here's a goblin token if you don't remove it I'm you're gonna die right yeah, and then, oh you removed basically. it I'm gonna loot too all right yeah. and then oh there's another thing you need to remove did you have two pieces of removal <sighs> that card but, but Seth there was a clean answer <laughs> to fable and that was invoke despair you can get them to sack the creature oh, the enchantment their their planeswalker or whatever uh it, invoke is so strong and I don't think anyone saw it coming right because essentially what happens is if your opponent has creatures, right, and they're like, oh, they have Meatball Massacre. I don't want to commit more creatures, so I'll play non-creature permanence. What is that, a Planeswalker maybe? Maybe an enchantment? And then the Evoke comes down and rats you into Oblivion, right? You play yeah. more creatures, you get Meatballed. You play nothing, and you just lose six life, and they drew three <laughs> cards, uh, perfect for the mid-range mirror. So yeah. it turns out it's so good that, like Krim said, even Grixis plays Invoke Despair. Not just like one. Like three and one in the yeah. sideboard, right? <laughs> like, so even three color decks are playing Invoke Despair. It's that strong. Qu 
quad black, and huh? Also, <laughs> also I think, him, so it's all fixed. <laughs> I think it also benefits from just how slow and grindy the meta is. Like, if there was an aggro deck, a, a real, like, good mono red deck, if that was a, a real thing, it seems like Invoke would get a lot worse. Because that's how you would punish, I think, yeah. the play pattern of Invoke. But those decks just haven't been good enough. So when everyone's just, uh, you know, grinding mid-range battles, the card's absurd. To the point where people have been, like, asking for it it's been one of those fringe ban ass even where you see people bring it up like oh no is this card too good for standard like that that's how good it ended up being oh oops yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the white one sees it was play, all right <laughs> and then i don't know i don't know what the green or red one or blue ones do because i've never seen them but those are the ones you guys chose for some reason but white you're you're almost there because white and black see play and then the, the other ones don't so <laughs> It's possible I, that they see play. I remember losing I, to the green one after it was first printed. It just, like, makes two, four, five tokens. So back when mono green was a thing, like, there, there were times when that was actually a card. But we were right anymore. about the blue one, though. It wasn't good in standard at all. No. What, what does the blue do one even, do? It steals. steals something, right? Artifact yeah. or creature, oh, I think. Yeah, it steals a thing. Oh, yeah, that's, there's, no, there's no value there. And the red one's kind All of right. flopped too. No one's really, no one's really managed to make that one Wait, work. Technically, it it did get played though in that Grixis spells deck, and it would kill you with a uh, Maestro's uh, uh, charm. Oh, uh, the the all spells deck, the all spells control deck. That's interesting. Well, speaking of of Maestro's charm, I think Streets of New Capenna's next. All right, Capenna top hit. Uh, Rafine Scheming Seer in this card. Oh my goodness, this card is just so crazy. So the first thing I thought of when I saw this is you play a one drop, you play a two drop, you follow it up with Rafine, you attack with your two creatures, you get to put potentially two counters on things, and you get to loot so you're filling your graveyard along the way, digging to find more action. This card's just... This card seemed bonkers to me. We've talked about that Esper Tempo deck. Like, this is the yep. reason to play Esper de uh, Tempo. This is, like, the card that leads it. And we got so many good white support cards. White is already the dominant color in standard. So it's got tons of fuel for this archetype. But, Krim, I'm, I'm rambling on. What do you think about Rafine? I, I, this is, like, the... I really hope we don't, we're not wrong on this. But I, I legitimately feel like this is just an absolute house, right? This card is very well, like, 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 efficiently costed. Right, it curves out perfectly, allows you to get some early threats to immediately benefit from the connive. Right, that that at first I thought this was bad because I thought it had to attack, but no, right. yeah, like like yeah, yeah, this is so much better, and the ward one is more relevant than you think. Uh, and, and yeah, like it's a good body, it's a one four, it doesn't get frostbitten, it doesn't you know, like there's there's a lot that ha it has going for it. I don't know. Hopefully we're not wrong on this one, but this is one of the cards that I think has the best chance to be the centerpiece of like a top tier deck in standard out of out of our whole list, honestly. All right, we should pin this on our channel because you guys were not right for just one standard, but two standards. Yes. <laughs> a top on the board! <laughs> Through rotation. I mean, Ruffy, yeah. What's, it's, top, it's been top the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a card that powered its own deck, essentially. Like, the Esper deck is a Rafine deck. If it wasn't for Rafine, you wouldn't be playing decks like Esper Legends and some of these Esper, like, creature decks. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we kind of nailed it. And that card is, it is still very, very good. And as Krim said, the Ward 1 does matter more than you think. Sometimes that actually ends up being pretty. It doesn't seem like a big number, but there's times when it just, like, makes your removal not work the way you want it to, or you can't play two things in a turn. So, yeah, Rafine, I mean, super, super good. Void rend is just something that is like now also just like really like that 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 ward one 
was so, is so annoying that I just love Void Rend. That is such a godsend spell. I just don't care about Graveyard Trespasser. I don't care about any of those things. I just kill it. Does anyone if other than Crim play Voidrend? I'm so confused. <laughs> Crim pay the tax. It's the good. same cost as Voidrend. <laughs> dude, but it's so good. There ain't no way that you don't like dude, dude, come on. That that card is that card is sick. That card is sick. <laughs> I mean Voidrend was was on both of our lists as well. If anything, that that's maybe a miss because we had it ranked pretty highly and it hasn't really ended up seeing that much play, but but we did have that there too. And it, it does get around ward, you are correct. <laughs> It occasionally sees play. I mean, the only the only Esper deck uh, that exists is the Rafine deck, and they don't want to play spells usually. Yeah, you <laughs> so got Thalia. Void isn't Thalia that popular, issues. But I've seen Voidrend pop up here and there. I play it in Control, but that's just because I still play Control. <laughs> Do you play Rafine Control? <laughs> no, I don't even have Rafine in the deck. All right, top miss from Capenna. To number six on our list. Speaking of really good removal, we have Endless Detour, kind of a, a super ether gust almost. That card this almost makes me want to bring adopt green into my decks, right? Like I almost <laughs> thought about dropping black for this. Like, you know, like this card is is good. You know a card's good when Krim considers adding green to his uh, his control decks. <laughs> yeah, I I like look at that like. This is exactly what you want. Now, holy cow, if you can get this on three, this is amazing. The fact that, again, you can hit something in the yard, right? Like, what? That's absurd. This card hitting graveyards is absolutely cracked. Uh, you have target spell, so it interacts on the stack. It bounces a non-land permanent, so your creature lands are safe. But, like, holy cow. I don't even know the new name for Bant. But um, there's a reason for me to roll with the Bant family. It's single-handedly on this card. Oh, yeah. This this is the reason to play Bant in standard, I think. And it's really good. Like, as you mentioned, the only problem with these three-color cards is that they're three colors. And sometimes there's really powerful three-color cards that don't find a home just because their color combination never takes off. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I've okay. Never seen to this be card fair, ever. <laughs> ever. That card would be good if the brokers were good, okay? <laughs> and two things. I did, I now improvement. I remember the 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 new Bant family name. Brokers. Oh, <laughs> so that's the other thing. I, I think Seth was right though, right? Like you, you never know that green is gonna be hot trash, the standard rotation, and that brokers suck. I mean, I guess there was like brokers ascendancy type decks, uh, which got wrecked by Meatball Massacre, so they were kind of rough. And then uh the enchantments deck, which kind of just wants to play more enchantments and not this stuff. So yeah, yeah maybe just brokers never had a chance. Um would, would this see play if it was like in Grixis or something? Like if it was a black red X oh, card? Yeah. Do you think it would see play? I, I, I bet you if it were have had black somewhere in there, like if it were just like a blue black spell or something, or maybe even just yeah, like like Grixis itself, I think it'd be fine, right? Uh, maybe. Although like black, part of the appeal is it's good removal in a color that doesn't have as much good removal so i don't know if this was competing with all the black removal that we have would it see play but i do think the color issue is the biggest thing like man just isn't a color combination in the standard like no it's in not just one but two of the wrong colors being blue and green like those are just not colors that they really seem good the standard 
So I like, yeah, I know. My, this is like Crim Heaven. Grix is amazing. Yeah, like, Sim is I'm bad. happy I'm wrong. Like, no I'm happy Grim I'm wrong. The standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I gotta I gotta ask you before we move on, Richard. I remember, I don't have a clip for this, because I, I didn't do the clips. I remember during our podcast, for Streets of New Capanna, you were going crazy about Obnixilis. Like, this is vanably good. It's going to break moderns. Well, how is this not the best Planeswalker of every time? How, how, do you feel, how do you feel about Obnixilis now, and where it's actually ended up Yo, a, a year later? Yo, the I, I need to search Obnixilis, because I haven't seen one cast. Like, let, me, let me figure out what Obnixilis actually does. Oh, wait, wait. Obnixilis saw a little bit of play. It did. Play. Like, I, I remember I, you being like, "It's it's yeah. Oko level good, like just like one of the best planeswalkers of all time, good." And I don't think it quite ended up there. Yeah, no, it, it definitely did not. It did definitely did <laughs> not. Um, but that clip doesn't exist. So I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, I think it's all play in like Anvil decks, and people tried it. But yeah, I mean, it's and, not Oko. And, and I, defense, I remember we also ranked it highly. It was in our top threes too. So, so we also liked it at the time. So it's not just you. <laughs> right. And on top of that, you know, the internet, like, at, like what, by the end of like early access event already was asking for it banned. So it looked good at early access. This, this is yeah. especially egregious because like Rakdos and Black Red are the most played, like, you know, yeah. Grixis, <laughs> It's Rakdos, in the right colors. Like, like the right. Bardu, like... <laughs> This, this is like the most played color in all of standard, and this card doesn't see anything, right? Like, like brokers, I could give a pass, right? But, but even mono green or mono red, you're like, who, who would have foreseen that these decks don't exist? But black red is everywhere in standard, and this sees no play. So this is a this is a terrible, terrible miss. A good reminder that Punisher cards, Punisher cards are traditionally not good, and we managed we all managed to overlook the Punisher aspect. I think of Obnixilis and focus on three mana, like double copies of it, and it's it's still a Punisher card when it comes down to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Oh, this one. This one's There's a note here, not just for standard. (laughs) (laughs) The note. We also got a conniving card in Lead Shredder. So uh, this is a pretty interesting blue two drop. So this is essentially a two mana one three that should quickly grow, and it has flying in the right deck. So I'm imagining in standard, this could be great in some sort of Delver shell where you play this. If you're playing Delver, you're gonna have all these considers and cheap spells that you're casting multiples of in a turn. So hopefully by the next turn after you play this, it's gonna be a two four flying that also was going to let you loot, which is pretty beneficial. And then it triggers on any player casting their second spell. So it's going to keep growing throughout the game as you cast your spells and your opponent casts your spells, which is really strong. There might even be a chance that it can show up in like Arclight Phoenix decks, maybe in uh, like the historic format. Is it better than something like Sprite Dragon? We'll have to wait and see. It doesn't grow as quickly as Sprite Dragon, but it has better starting stats and conniving the looting mode is a great way to get things like Arclight Phoenix in your graveyard. So I'm really high on the connive mechanic and I think Ledger is a pretty decently static creature with evasion that comes down early is definitely a pretty good example of how this mechanic can be really powerful i think i I think this was shredder (laughs) exactly this is this is a move this is there's collusion somewhere by the community it's because seth said the the card's name wrong so chat and the entire community went all in to make seth know its name and they made it good i i did not have lead shredder on my top 10 list but 
I have not seen any decklets with lead shredder in there either. So, so I think <laughs> yeah, maybe so we're <laughs> maybe we're fine. I just Googled it and, and nothing comes up. So <laughs> you're good. I you're mean, safe set. <laughs> really, really. Okay, two takeaways here. One is literally everyone missed this card. This was like a 50 cent card that shot up to a ton of money when it was really good in every format. So we definitely missed it, but I think everyone else did too. I think my takeaway so far of this year of spoiler reviews is don't underestimate two drops that loot like blood tithe harvester we missed ledger shredder we missed uh rafine's informant even has become like a playable card back to pioneer and in standard as well as just a two drop that etbs connives so in the future for the next spoiler uh next set spoilers i'm definitely going to be keeping my out for cards like that because i think those are cards that just tend to punch above their weight And, and and ledger shredder is like the biggest example of that that card's so good I'd like I, I would say Ledger Shredder definitely punches well beyond its weight class. This card is so good now. Holy cow! I do. I I am glad I mentioned Phoenix in older formats though because it did end up seeing play there. I I was like kind of right even though I <laughs> wasn't nearly as high in as I should be. But that is a deck that it showed up in. I mean, it, it goes back to modern. Did, did it ever make it to Legacy or did uh, <laughs> did Initiative stomp that out? <laughs> Let me see. No, no, no one plays Ledger Shredder. No, Murktide is the thing. But yeah, yeah. Like even seeing modern play is crazy. Yeah. Right? Uh, we're thinking of like, oh, you know, how do we pump it? You know, how do we combo off and like make it big? What it really is, is just like every turn it grows. It's a better Tarmogoyf, but it also like stacks as your opponents, right? Like they cannot play two spells. Otherwise it grows your Ledger Shredder even bigger. And then it also yeah. gets out of lightning bolt range immediately. Yeah. Uh, if you play it and follow up with a bobble or whatever. So yeah, all the way back to modern. Yeah, uh, standard kind of mediocre, right? Like only the blue deck, like the mono blue. Yeah, tempo slash used to be Delver, but no longer plays Delver deck plays it. Yeah, uh, it, it lines up better in older formats. I think it's seen a yeah. little fringe standard play, but definitely like modern pioneer. I think is the the high point for Ledger Shredder, where those like the free spells really help. Like you said, like that's a that's a really big deal and. It is amazing just like how much consistency this adds to your deck because this is just it's so easy to trigger. It's one of those cards that rewards you for doing what you want to do anyway, which is just like play your stuff. And it just gives you so much extra value. Yeah, I'm all right. Dominara United. Oh, boy. Top hit, I <laughs> okay. guess. Okay. I guess. <laughs> Haunty Jin. I think that Haunty Jin has a chance to be pretty good as a finisher in some sort of like blue, mono blue, maybe blue X tempo style deck where this can get really, really big, really, really fast, as we've seen with cards like Enigma Drake or Crackling Drake. But I'm curious, Jim, what do you think about this one? You're you're a blue mage. What do you think about Haunty Jin in standard? I think that this card is extru- like not nearly as powerful as the, uh, the Jin in Blue Devotion was. Um, only because like when we come to like power level, but I do like the spell reduction on it. Um, so I think that's where it makes up for it. However, I don't know, right? Like, I think this is like decent. Uh, this is another card that just narrowly missed out on my list. So, uh, it looks fun, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I like this one. It was one of the ones where I felt a little shakier on. Haunty Jin. Um, Haunty Jin, yeah. Haunty Jin. Haunty Auntie Jin. This is number nine. That means you, this is the best card we could get on this list at number nine. What are the eight cards you put above this one? 
we don't need to talk about that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we don't need to talk about I, that we're, one. I mean, we're running a little long podcast over. Yeah. Let's not get into that. This yeah. makes an entire archetype, right? This has to count for something. It's much better than like some row, you know, some random car- tech card slotted somewhere. This propped up an entire deck and uh, pushed out everyone's favorite mm-hmm. Delver. You don't need to play Delver in your blue deck because you have uh, Auntie Jin here that just like actually <laughs> just like two shots Auntie people. Jin. I mean, yeah, it, it it made an entire deck around itself, and it is the best card in that deck, and that deck was actually really good at one point. I think Mono Blue has kind of faded a little bit recently since we've gotten Brothers War, but between Dominaria United and Brothers War, this was, like, the best budget deck and a legit option to fight through, like, the Meat Hook Massacre decks. That's where that deck really shined was before Meat Hook got banned. Oh, this was such a good way to punish those black decks. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a hit, but we probably should have had it even higher on our list. All right, uh, top miss from Dominaria. We were high on Liliana for standard, but we're even higher on another Planeswalker, Jaya Fiery Negotiator, Yep, which just has a ridiculous amount of abilities. It's got four abilities. It protects itself with tokens. It generates cards advantage. It removes things. To me, this feels like exactly what you want in a standard playable. I think Jaya is going to be one of the better Planeswalkers in standard, but Krim, what do you think? Yeah, like it's got four abilities, like you had mentioned, and the token isn't just any token. It's a 1-1 token with prowess. So... (laughs) Like, these tokens are, like, it's got a little bit of a monastery mentor love attached to it, right? So, yeah, and it comes down where, as opposed to, like, the Obnixilis, kind of, like, the vanilla five-drop Planeswalker, this is a four-drop. So, this is a very, very, sol- like, solid cost for what it's doing. And the the abilities give it a lot of versatility. I, I just, this card just seems really good. It, I would, it feels almost, like, it, it's not quite Chandra Torch of Defiance. But it is still very good for standard. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I think it's the closest we've seen to a Chandra Torch of Defiance on Chandra. I don't think it's as good as Chandra, but I don't think yeah. we've had another Planeswalker that has been close to Chandra since we got uh, we got Chandra several years ago. And Jaya's like, it's the closest that we've gotten. All right. I'm <laughs> So four I'm mana so, uh, Planeswalkers with like four abilities are it's usually Chase. a miss. <laughs> I just don't think we're allowed to talk about four drops. I, I, think, yeah. I think we've Banned. like, <laughs> we've legitimately like missed every four drop. Oh, actually, I'm going to use my let's check back next year on this one because yeah. i still oh, think oh, you're jaya, doubling down you're doubling down i still on this. Okay. i still think that jaya is actually a good card it just it hasn't been the right meta for it it's been such a black heavy meta there haven't been red decks or haven't really been outside of mono blue like spell slinger style decks to take advantage of prowess so as the meta shifts and we get a couple more sets i think jaya still got a chance to be to be good it still reads like a strong card to me so let let's check back and see if this is maybe the bloodthirsty adversary of this year's because i'm think snapping we... on this i'm snapping <laughs> because right. you're you're doubling down i'll snap back no, we, we, back. Got, we got grixis mid-range mardu mid-range and rakdos mid-range at the top of the meta and jaya can't find a home like there's no world <laughs> Th- in which she comes back from this deck the, she's not for a mid-range deck though she has four abilities and shares the cost as Chandra, but is not meant for a mid-range. She is definitely meant for, like, a... a, a aggro? Like, top spells? end of aggro, I think, or some sort of no. spell slinger deck is why, probably... Why would yeah. you be making a 1-1 monk at the top end of red aggro here? <laughs> 
I mean, give it yeah. a minute. Just give it a minute. Just give it a minute. <laughs> like you flood the board, you get creatures, you get removal, you get card draw. It'll give it time, Richard. Give it time. It's gonna. We gotta, get we gotta cut our losses and scoop. You know, we can't. <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't know about this hill to die on here. This Jaya. <laughs> oh, like maybe if we had. Like, even if we had a spell heavy deck, would you actually like? Let's say you took mono blue temple or whatever. Change it to is it? Would you play this? I mean, it to me, it hits all the marks that you want in a planeswalker. Like defends itself, card advantage, removal, emblem that probably wins the game. Like it, it has all the pieces that I feel like you want. So I'm still, I still blame it on the meta game. I still feel like this like has the right pieces to make it work. It just hasn't hasn't lined up right with the meta. It, it has a chance. It has a chance. It's the, like I believe. <laughs> I believe that it could come back. I believe that it also miracle can come, can back. come true. Chris, yes, <laughs> that's right. Nicely to say to hear. But um, I, I will not deny it for now. Like having a number two on our list looks pretty bad. Like we, we definitely whiffed at this point for sure. Just and when, when everyone says whenever bring, brings up Jace the Mind Sculptor, just run out of the room. That's it. Yeah, maybe four <laughs> mana planeswalkers are a trap, or Same four ability Oko. planeswalkers are a trap. If anyone says this is the next Oko or Jace the Mind Sculptor, just just nope out of there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the new cop. Right. That's the that's the next Oko apparently. It has so much loyalty. Yeah, <laughs> top, top I of about that. All right, uh, children, the apocalypse. Oh. What oh, is no. this? Like, okay, I'm I'm not talking commander. In commander, this is awesome. I think this is a, a a fun card. There, I'm talking sixty card constructed here. We're talking standard. <laughs> this playable. is like do you right? Like this is. It doesn't even draw me an additional card. Like it doesn't even <laughs> trigger itself. It is you know, a four it is, mana, four five death touch. It is. I, it is a body. Is, I don't. It's think, a. I don't think it's bad. Like, no, no, no. Okay. It, let me let me rephrase. I think it is bad for a Shieldred. I mean, like, so so what? Like, I play you play this, and then and then what? Right? Like, I just spent four mana for a four five. It's. I feel right like now. this is actually a good card. Like, I I feel like so. I get what Krim's saying, because my impression is, like, it doesn't feel Save epic to me, and I was expecting, like, I was expecting the Praetors to feel more epic, like, these huge, flashy, like, effects, and Shieldra doesn't feel like that, but I feel like from a more spiky perspective, isn't this, like, a decent card? Like, I don't know, I feel like it's just, like, a random mid-range threat. I would play this in a standard deck, I think. Funny enough, like, I this doesn't pass the... Like, give me a siege dies right to now. Doomblade. <laughs> okay, well, actually, doesn't die to Doomblade. Okay, Richard. doesn't die to Doomblade technically, <laughs> right? But essentially, so if you if you play this and you get to untap with it, it's like kind of siege rhino, right? You, <laughs> assuming your opponent drew one card and you draw a card, you dealt two damage, uh, gain two life. It's a four or five death touch. The problem is it's legendary, so if you have multiple of these, you get flooded. Uh, it actually dies to removal uh, quite easily. So I actually think it kind of sucks like you just play it and then hope your opponent draws a bunch of cards and then they die like yeah. is that the game plan with this make like, them they, make them digging for cards. an answer right and they're like drawing five cards and they die and i got you right like is that what's going on like it doesn't seem strong enough for today's yeah like standard. It, we'll have to see what the standard looks like but a four man of four five death touch would you play that no that right? seems like an uncommon yeah <laughs> right <laughs> that's the problem like it doesn't do anything 
right? Like, remember Reaper of the Wild, Seth? That was a four mana, four touch. Yeah, but this is like stabilizing you against aggro. It's draining your opponent with direct damage. I think the drain ability, I think you're underrated. Like, I feel like you play this against mono red or mono white and you just slam it and it's a body they can't easily get through and you're gaining two a turn, which means they're not going to be able to burn you out or whatever. I don't know. I guess I'll buy that. Mono white can get through this pretty easy. <laughs> so about that, save us harder. So I, I you, tried you a little. Card here, it didn't so make it on any top ten list. Yeah. I said it's not worth an uncommon. Uh, <laughs> Krim's talking about sixty card formats. To be clear here, <laughs> it is an uncommon. It is you know. Uh, by the way, I need this uncommon, so it's like sixty dollars. How much of it do you think it is that our our brains have been trained from the last few years? that good threats and standard are those snowball threats that we talked about at the beginning of the cast, and that's what we're looking for in really good cards is like, oh, the ETB trigger that does something right away. The thing that, like, I play on two and it just runs away with the game if you can't kill it. And Shieldred, if you're looking at it in that context, it does look kind of fair. Like, it doesn't do anything right away. It's got to sit out. If it sits out, like, it's incremental, you know, life gain and drain, but not doing anything huge and splashy right away. Do you think that's part of it, that we're just, like, uh, we're we're always looking for these snowball threats, and that's just not what Standard's power level is anymore. Like, Wizards has pulled back on the power level, and that's made Shieldred so good. Yeah. Or are we yeah, just bad, I, at, I, bad at four drops? Uh, Does it just come back to that? Just, if it's a four drop, we just got to shut up. <laughs> Stop. Yep, Stop yep. I still don't believe it's good. I, I've learned nothing. Um, so the, the, the one thing that I mocked during that cliff was like, oh, you know, it's easy to remove things, but... You need to do a lot of cycling and card drawing in standard, right? So a lot of the times, Shieldred comes down. You have a lot of ways to look at more cards, but you're going to die because Shieldred's on the battlefield. So yep. yes, you could get there, but you're going to lose a lot of life. And I think that's what I underestimated. But I still think it, it dies to Doomblade. Uh, <laughs> I've Doesn't learned nothing, to Doomblade. apparently. Doesn't die to Doomblade. Like, it, it, it like hoses red right like if you can't remove this card like it's doo doo right but if you're holding like a void rend or a go for the throat or whatever shieldred's nothing right and it shows that because shieldred's like a one or two of in most decks i think that's just like an aggro check and but you still keep it in against mid-range you don't sideboard it out usually so i don't i don't know i just i don't understand mid-range anymore apparently <laughs> i don't understand four drops i i will just refrain from commenting because i uh, remember reaper of the wild it was a four mana yeah. four five death touching gagari i'm like this is it everyone yeah, thought that so card good. was the next thing and it was a terrible flop <laughs> and children looks like that and but mm, it was like meta defining like people were warping their decks around children uh in in standard so this this is our greatest omission, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I I will say it definitely was a, a big omission, but I'll have you know when I when I because like when this came out and like you know up to this point playing standard, uh, I have played control and I've just killed it every time. It doesn't matter to me. When it yeah, is, when, just void runs it, so void run clearly <clears throat> better than children. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was the thing that I noticed we didn't mention. I but no, it is it is a big omission, right? Because I then when I'm not playing a control deck, whoo. I'm like, this is the most broken card I've ever seen in my life. How does this thing work? <laughs> yeah, oh, I my mean, God. 
it it is currently what fifty six percent of decks in standard, which is just like an insane rate for for a creature like this. So yeah, we we definitely missed on that pretty hard. I mean, in hindsight, if we were going to do a redraft of Dominary United, this would just be number one, right? Like out of all the cards in the set, this would be number one for standard. What did we have in number one? Uh, Sarah Paragon, which actually like is not horrible, but it's not Shieldred. Yeah. <laughs> And Shiv and Devastator, we also had that number two. <laughs> Give it time. Mono red will rise from the ashes. Four drops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, apparently we're pretty bad at that because we had Jaya really high and Shieldred not there at all. So, yeah, don't don't trust our advice on four drops anymore. <laughs> all right. We're running long. But before we end, we, we have to do the one thing. And what is our wish list for 2023? What do we want to see? Now that they have fixed standard, what, what, what should we see in 2023? I I want to see modern. I want to see modern change. Modern isn't bad right now, but we've been dealing with the same handful of Modern Horizons 2 cards for the past almost two years now, and it's just getting very samey. You see the same few cards again and again and again, over and over and over. Whether this means unbanning some stuff, which would be probably my preference, like reevaluate the ban list, get some stuff out of there that might be powerful enough to shake up new uh, decks. Whether it means banning stuff, whether it means Lord of the Rings being super overpowered and power creeping MH2 out of the meta. I don't care how you do it, Wizards. Actually, don't do that last one, hopefully, but I don't care how you do it, but <laughs> let's, let's get a shake up. Curling Seth. Gandalf is here to save the day. <laughs> Gandalf and Optimus Prime, just like the magic the way Garfield intended. I'll, at this point, I'll take it. If it means not dying to a Ragavan again, that's that's fine. <laughs> I I want to see pure control. I want to see pure control come back. <laughs> I want to see Pure Control come back in standard. Uh, modern, I'm sorry. I, at this point, I don't know if modern is fixable. I, I've made this known. I think I've fallen out of love with modern uh, it recently. It's just not the format it was, and like I just can't. I just don't feel like 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 it's as fun anymore. So I I guess all I can ask for is Pioneer or Expl- and, and Explorer, I guess, uh, by association and whatnot. But like... I hope these these formats continue to stay fun. I hope they eventually ban uh, like Shrine to Nyx or Journey, whatever the land Nykthos. Nykthos. Uh, like like yeah, like like that that it just doesn't feel great. Like like knowing that like this format has Nykthos and maybe something will eventually change it up to where it's not just Rakdos. I, I think modern is beyond repair at this point because on one hand you have the camp of people that are like, I don't want modern to change. You should keep modern static and like not change. I don't want to buy new decks. And then on the other hand, you have people saying, wow, modern is so boring. I've played the same modern for a year now. Please rotate it for me with modern horizons three. <laughs> and you have these two groups of people and you can't make them both happy. So I think modern will be forever up for like complaining yeah. Um, I would like to see universes beyond in standard. So rather than Gandalf wreak havoc and interesting, he should wreak standard uh, havoc in standard and then rotate out and be never seen again. Right? Like if you're gonna do these cool crossovers like Transformers, like I want to play them in standard. Like I, there's no real place to play them, and then they will rotate. So if you get sick of it, 
they just leave and it'll be fine, right? Uh, so would they if that happened then modern? Would they be legal and pioneer and modern, or would this be like standard horizons yes. or something where they're only legal and standard? No, no, no. They'll, they'll they'll be legal in older formats, but okay. they'd be tuned for standards. So, well, okay, under the old game, <laughs> like they most likely would not see any modern play, but under the new design, they probably dominate every format going back to vintage. So, but like just like strong enough for standard, but not strong enough for modern and legacy and whatnot, and then just throw them into standard be hype about it and then have them rotate out and then we'll never see them again. Um, so that would be yeah. interesting. That would be, that would be interesting. I still worry about pioneer being impacted by it, but I guess if they're of a safe standard power level, maybe it'd be fine. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up 2022 year in review. Uh, I feel we had a lot of misses this year. And <laughs> I, I don't know that we all saw like black based mid range yeah. fest for standard. I, I think nope. that kind of threw off everything like yep. green, unplayable <laughs> blue is basically, basically a splash color. Uh, it's not a very balanced. What a shakeup. What a shakeup. Huh? Shake huh? <laughs> I mean, green yeah. is bad. Crim. What, what, what do you want? You got, you got I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy I'm wrong. Like, I'm happy for this past year. Like, standard's good. Like, yo, I'm thriving in this standard. This is amazing. So, you know what? I can't ask her anymore. Yeah. Next year, we'll be we'll be more careful with our four drops. <laughs> no no four drops. No Jace the Mind Sculptors. No Okos. Okay? And then if there's, like, some random two drop that looks anymore. like hot trash, it's probably S tier. It's probably good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's those are the takeaways. So, uh, anyway, I think that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Richard, if people want to send in fish mail for 2023, how should they uh, do that? All right, you can send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions on air. So, anyway, everyone, that brings us to the end of episode 413 of the MTG Goldfish podcast, and actually the end of 2022 podcast as well. So, we will be back next year to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. Uh, thanks to Richard and Krem for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Car Conduit for supporting the show. So, everyone, have an amazing New Year's, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Until then, this is a crew signing out. Thank you.